0: What does it take to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame? Is Julius Randle underrated? Are the Nets in better shape than the Celtics? The only question left is say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the Be Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always, I am joined by Jared Weiss of The Athletic. Is it The Athletic or is it The Athletic? Uh,
1: it depends what mood
0: you're in, I think. Okay, well then I'm gonna I'm in a The mood right now, so it's The Athletic. And uh, Jared from the road, thank you for uh, hopping on with us today.
1: That's right. I got the uh, Springfield Hall, the NBA Hall of Fame, or I guess Basketball Hall of Fame in the background right now. Yeah. And uh, Team USA is not losing on the other side of the world. It's a pretty interesting time.
0: Well, you know, it's a good distinction to make that the Basketball Hall of Fame versus the NBA Hall of Fame, because I think it doesn't that sort of skew some of the results or not skew them, but make them, you know, some guys might have an amazing like uh, college career and that could very well, you know, be the reason they get in maybe as much as they are with their NBA seasons or whatever. I don't know. You
1: know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, Vladi Divac is going to be getting inducted here next week. And I think it's for the most part for his uh, international career combined with, I mean, he had, he was a very good NBA player, but definitely was not, you know, a hall of fame NBA player. And that's why Manu has always been considered a, you know, a, I guess a first ballot hall of famer that, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think you would agree. He's a first ballot hall of famer for what he did in the NBA, but it's that international career that really puts them over the top. So I like how they bounce that. I think college is overrated though. Like, college is an amateur level. Um, while it's great and like it's extremely popular, it's like you you what you achieve in the international level is probably way more valuable than what you achieve at the college level.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny is that maybe like thirty years ago, I would have said you know college. If you did you know or a great college player then, sure that that gives you a bump. Versus now. And, and then you'd say, well, what's the difference? Oh, there's these, the one and dones. But here's the thing about that. How many one and dones are there every year now? Twelve?
1: They're all one and done pretty much. Yeah, they are. I mean, a pretty, pretty strong number of them. Yeah. I all mean, right. I mean,
0: I would be we should count it. I bet you there weren't more than 15 in the last uh, draft. Which is half of the I mean half the first round. Right? Once you get in the second round, you're talking about guys who played two years, three years, right? I mean I I seem crazy. I
1: I think I think yeah, you're you're accurate in that. I'm I'm thinking about it from a more colloquial perspective. But But either way,
0: the point being that like I'm I'm not not even so
1: sure.
0: yeah, but I'm not even so sure that the one and done thing is such a huge effect. I mean, we're all grinding our hands about whether we should let the high school players back in all that stuff. It's really talking about affecting such a minuscule amount of players, considering of you know all of college basketball, that um, it really shouldn't have an effect. But I think we can all agree that the level of play. And by the way, I think you know what it is. It's less than one and done. This must be the answer. <laughs> I just came up with it. Was you know it's the two and duns or the three and duns. Back 30 years ago, you had all four year players maybe it's I think it's 30 years ago well, maybe I have to figure out the numbers so that's when you had all seniors going against all seniors that was a lot higher level of play I would argue than it is now even though the skill level is a bit better and like the athletes are probably better And even then at that level um, that is an interesting thing that might be worth uh, exploring more at some point in the future what do you think
1: it's funny you could maybe even argue that the players coming into the league are better coming into the league now than they used to be while they're also younger it seems uh, cause I guess just the way that players improve in their youth careers is better than ever before. But yeah, I mean, those teams back in the day were mostly upperclassmen who had been in the program together and knew each other for a long time and had been coached by that coach for a while. So the quality of play, I think was pretty superior. Although on the other hand, the quality of basketball 20 years ago is pretty crappy anyway. So I think the teams nowadays probably would beat them anyway, just cause they play smarter basketball.
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't call it crappy. I mean, we didn't have maybe some of the sort of the dribbling. They didn't shoot as much from the three, but like you know, it was these were they were good, polished players who knew how to play the game. And I don't know. I I might even argue that most of the one and duns aren't really ready either for the NBA. Um, you know, I, for every one guy who comes in and really plays well, there's got to be a few that are just completely lost and takes them a year and a half two or two seasons before they can figure it out. I mean, right? Like I'm trying to think of the last guy who. It was like a one and done and was just so polished and ready to go that didn't have any bumps. Um, you know, not to put you on the spot, but like, right? Do you know what I mean? I feel like it's not even that's still a thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I still just think about it as, as guys who are ready for the league and guys who are projects. And the one I always go back to is Dennis Smith Jr. versus Jonathan Isaac. And I remember the one I think I brought this up recently is that I remember tweeting at the time that the Magic made a horrible mistake taking Jonathan Isaac over DSJ cuz they needed the a point guard at the time and he seemed like a guaranteed, you know, uh, point guard of the future and he just seemed like there was nowhere for him to go but up and I'm always someone who believes in drafting the best player even if they're a project and I totally just missed the boat on that one and looking at Jonathan Isaac now I think I'd much rather have him than the, than Smith Jr obviously. Um, but oh. DSJ, even though he's a one and done guy, he seemed like he was so ready for the league and it seemed like he was going to be kind of what Donovan Mitchell has become. And he just ended up at least so far has been a much less reliable player. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll see. I think this is a, the, a key year for Dennis Smith Jr. without question. Like this is his chance. To, now, by the way, this would be his, uh, what he's played he's been in the league two years. So like yeah. this is a like, senior year in college. Like this is, yeah, the time for him to really show that. Whereas, you know, I mean, listen, Jonathan Isaac. You know, there's been there's been moments. I, I I did raise my eyebrows even now because I mean, listen, it's obscurity playing in Matt in Orlando as it is. Um, but you know, I still think that he is. I guess you want to reclassify him as from going from a project to now some a solid NBA player. Is that where you were going with this?
1: I think he's starting to take the leap to being a good starter, and you know, and is showing some of the potential that can make him an All Star one day. Interesting. Okay. He's, he's very far from that, you know, completing that potential. But I think last year it emerged that he could have, could have pretty massive defensive impact and is figuring out how to be a scorer. And, you know, with his size, yeah, he can be really, really good.
0: All right. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I will now put Jonathan on, Isaac on notice. I will be watching you. I will have my eye on you a little bit closely now because Jared told me to. So we shall see. But uh, it's an interesting moment. You know, it's funny. I was at a um, a, uh, a run uh, last week, on la- uh, last Wednesday night at, at USC. And I'm like, well, a lot of uh, pro, like European pros were playing. It's sort of open, but they had they had refs. And there was a few, like, pretty good high school players involved in there too. But I just felt like it was just a st- startling reminder having, yeah, it, I guess it had been a while since I sort of watched an open run with refs like that. The game is just so different now than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Like, I feel like in a gym with pros in that setting, you know, there would have been ball movement. There would have been some weak side screens. You know, now literally it was like, you know, one-on-one, rotating one-on-one. and Because every, everybody can now handle the ball pretty well. Everyone can shoot off the dribble pretty well. And they're all allowed to do that. And um, it was really striking to me, just to throw this out there, that like, you know, if, if this is the metamorphosis of the game that's gone in the last 20 years, like I can't only imagine, you know, what's going to happen, you know, 10, 15 years from now and what the game is going to look like.
1: What's really funny is that I just had the exact same thing happen where I just got back from New York where I was watching a run and Julius Randall and his cancer were going one-on-one and that was kind of like the featured a matchup of this of this pickup game and Randall every single time wanted to take him ISO from the winger from the top of the key and Randall was I think it's because Randall was working on the step back three which is there by the way I oh. mean it was one game we'll see but like he it looked pretty good Um you know Randall is showing really good wing skills and so he was just you know, I feel like even 3 years ago Randall would have tried to take him out to like kind of the short corner area and try to drive at him from 15 feet but Randall was just treating him like he was a wing it was trying to get him out 25 feet put him you know put him on an island and get by him and it was working cuz Randall's handle has gotten very good And he's really got that step back J going from three now. So he's he's going to score a lot of points for New York this year. That's for sure. But it was interesting to see the way that his approach was just a lot different. And I think probably during these summer runs, a lot of these guys are trying to work on some of their perimeter skills. And so that's why they're focusing on that. Yeah,
0: I feel like I'm one of the only Randall apologists out there because I've been having to defend him. I think he's, you know, even earlier in his career when he simply would only go left, which is probably still the case. Do you see him go right at all?
1: Yeah, he went right. He did. All right. He's still I mean he still is like clearly stancing himself like he's trying to attack left. But yeah, he re- he had one where he caught cancer on his hip and was able to get around him and finish I can't remember which hand he finished with, but he drove down the right seam.
0: Okay. Yeah, great. I mean and again, finishing the left hand isn't such much of an issue. It's if you go to the right, you can always come back. And it hasn't Affected him, you know that that's the thing is he's a he was a monster he was a beast a double double machine and last year you know again people probably weren't paying much attention to New Orleans for a lot of that year after AD's issues that you know he he was twenty one point four points a game and he shot fifty two percent from the field and he did shoot thirty four percent from three and almost three a game and I I think I did I know I did a video on the on the Pelicans what they're going to look like and I know I spotlit him at least for a minute. He's good <laughs> and he's a handful. And all right, so maybe he's not like the most amazing player on defense, but he's going to certainly out- outweigh that, I believe, on the offensive end enough. Uh, where, you know, he's, he's just, uh, I, I don't know how teams are going to handle him, especially with a you know, different team this year with more space. And now, if he, and if he really can, I, I would have no you know, problem saying, yeah, he'll shoot better than 35% from three. I think this is the progression that we see him going on. And uh, how do you, you know, I don't think that he's going to be easily stopped.
1: Yeah, based on what I saw last week, he'll probably be shooting towards the higher 30s, um, which, I mean, if he's doing that, he's probably scoring 23-24 a game for New York. I mean, he's making a push for the all-star team. I mean, who knows how the points are going to get distributed, but I think he's going to be in a pretty comparable role with the Knicks to where he was at the Pelicans last year. So, yeah, I mean he's he's a he's a big that can you know that can get you twenty plus points a game those are pretty rare in the NBA. um and he, if he's a more perimeter oriented big then I th- you know he's not messing with your spacing so you can get away with playing him at the four and then the question is really just can he can he have the attentiveness and the intensity to defend in a switching scheme if he can then Randall could be a very valuable player right. and, and he's gonna play he it, should play center. Well, so that's the thing is he's a little undersized defensively to play center, but he's six nine, so he can do it. It's just that it's just that we. I mean, he has like a Draymond Green like physical profile, right? So, right. the question with him is mostly about the mental side. That's what makes Green great. For one, I mean, he's getting paid what nineteen a year on average. I think that's a totally yep. reasonable sure. market value for him. Um, I mean, how Karis Levert? We'll talk about this in a second. Caris Levert's getting a little bit less in a non ridiculously open market because you know randall was kind you had the advantage that the knicks had to had to splash their money on somebody so that's kind of the reason part of the reason why he got paid you know that much but like i mean randall yeah he he fits almost everything you want you want out of a small ball five except for just not having the defensive awareness and consistency but he has all the tools there do you experience stress
0: or have anxiety or chronic pain or have trouble sleeping at least once a week you're not alone. Many of us do. I deal with the stress of having to grind videos every day. Plus, in season, my sleep schedule is completely screwed up and everything in my life from my body aching to my relationships were suffering because of it. I was willing to try anything to help, and that's when I discovered Feels, which is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. I've used it, and I've got to say, it didn't take long for my stress to melt away. I was much more relaxed and able to get quality work done, like the breakdown of the Australians beating Team USA. It's super easy to measure the perfect amount each time and just place those few drops under your tongue and let it go to work. Feels offers a free CBD hotline and text message support to help guide your personal experience. So try Feels and feel better naturally. No high, hangover, or addiction. If you join their membership, you'll get it shipped to your door every month, pause or cancel at any time. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash breakdown and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot slash breakdown to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Join me in reducing the stress and anxiety in your life, and head over to feels.com/slash-breakdown. I'm looking forward to seeing the Knicks because. You know they got some pieces, and it's a question of whether they can actually, um, you know, get them to play together and play like a team, and all the all those tropes that we hear from coaches. But certainly they have something there, and, and I, I always think that you know Randall is it's a guy that that gets uh, you know the short end of the stick a lot of the time when people are talking about the NBA. But let's talk about Karis LeVer a little bit because you know, you know that's the the one bit of news we've had this week where he signed an extension with the Knicks, the Nets. And it seems like Brooklyn is, you know, again. If you had to, is there a more sort of impressively run team the last two or three years, uh, two years than the Brooklyn
1: Nets? They're they're high up there. <laughs> they're really high up there, and i, I have so, I have the Celtics fans uh, always screaming about how frustrating it is to watch that. So I've been paying attention to them closer than a lot of other other front offices, and they have just done such a great job of mining for talent with players that were being undervalued or discarded elsewhere, they haven't really had a miss. Like who, I can't even like think of someone who they really invested time or resources or money in that didn't work out. Well, DeAndre Jordan, we'll see what happens there. But like, I mean, they've, they've, they've hit on every single one. It's been incredible.
0: Yeah. And like, and the point I've been making all summer long is, you know, they were sixth in the league, uh, sixth in the Eastern conference and they're better. They're going to be better. And now, again, the whole Eastern conference is going to be kind of wacky now, but um, they're better now do I infer from the your Celtics you know uh, bat phone that are they nervous they're going to be a little bit worse this year the Celtics are going to be worse I mean they're fourth I mean, in the conference almost want just about 49 games winning but they put Kemba in there what do they think what's the Celtics beat right now
1: yeah uh, I, I think they're looking to be in the mid to high 40s as their most likely outcome so so same as I, they were yeah, I think I think they're probably going to be in a pretty similar position. I mean, last year went pretty poorly, so I mean they, they could they could still, with all the talent that they have in the wings there, if those guys are all playing really well, they could take another step forward, even with everything that they've lost. But I I just I think it's reasonable pr- to project them as being a mid tier. Eastern Conference team. I mean, somewhere between the third and sixth seed is probably the best, you know, right. best guess with them. So,
0: yeah. All right. And then it sounds a little bit unreasonable to expect like the Nets could, could, uh, step over them, but it's not completely unheard That's of. Not to see a young at all. team.
1: What's that? That's not unreasonable. They've rode on It's very possible.
0: I like Kuricks, by the way. Yes. He's a, you know, uh, you can plug him in a lot of different places. And, uh, they lost Jared Dudley, but they've they replaced uh, him and others with, uh, some serious talent with Kyrie. Uh, Yeah, I guess the only thing is, is it almost doesn't matter. They have a free season at this point because they're waiting for Durant to come back. And, you know, hopefully he comes back even somewhat close to his normal powers. But even then, right, this is sort of like a just they're playing with house money this year just to kind of develop and get an identity and then plug him in.
1: Well, the thing is, to their credit, what Atkinson and Marks have really achieved there is that they never looked at any of these seasons as wasted seasons. They were always focused on developing every single year, even when they didn't have their own draft picks. And I think they have to take that same approach. I mean, this is Irving. Irving is entering his prime now. He needs to show that he is going to take that leap to the next level. He showed it once in a while in Boston, but it wasn't consistent enough and just everything was inconsistent there. So, I mean, he has to to set the tone for this team for the next year where they have a chance to be a serious title contenders. But they – I mean there's nobody in the East that you look at and you go that team is perfect, that that team is a clear juggernaut. The way you could probably say that about the Clippers – you know, where I feel like on the show, we're starting to say that about the Warriors again, thanks that Dave do hot takes. But, um, you know, like there there's no team in the East that you can say like the Nets can't be better than if everything works out like they have enough talent, they have a balanced enough roster, they have yeah. a good enough. Coaching staff.
0: Yeah, and I and I like what you said about that. How they've always focused on developing players and winning and creating that culture, no matter how what the deficit was of talent. And now, now you're seeing it. Like Kurucs is a guy that like who who knew and they plug him right in and he's able to do really well. And then Karis LeVert has been like I guess it was a surprise, but I can guarantee you the players in the team watching him in the summer like before in those games would have been like this guy is going to be a serious scorer. You know, they resigned. They got Spencer Dinwiddie locked up. They have like the really high character oh, guys. Good. Yeah. Real professionals.
1: Yeah. What's that? Uh, and Dinwiddie's on a good deal. And don't forget, Lavert was projected to be a lottery pick, but injuries had him fall in the draft. Mm. And he has had injury issues. So like, he's been pretty much what you would expect out of that. But, yeah, when he's healthy, he's really good. And I'm very interested to learn if there is some sort of injury-related clause in his contract, actually.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, but he did come back from the injury uh, pretty well. It looked like he his old self. Certainly by the playoffs, he was you know doing as well as he had done before. And uh, you know I, I know they got you know they were a little bit in this head, deer in the headlights with the, their playoff experience there. And but then again, that's another one of those good building blocks. It looks it just it reminds me of these teams that we used to see that would stay together for a number of years. They would take some lumps. They you know inch forward and then they come back and all of a sudden they just they they're hardened veterans ready to play together. Um, the only question now is 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 by adding Kyrie, you know having you seen it up close with the Celtics, you know what it's it, that's going to be the biggest wild card is whether or not he's going to make that jump and, and become the teammate I suppose he needs to be uh, absent Kevin Durant and then having um, you know uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan there as well to, to you know play the center position in case Jared Allen is struggling. Uh, you know, I don't know. That, that might be the one thing that's the biggest question mark for them. and might keep them, you know, in that same range of maybe 45, 46 games and winning.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you just have no idea what to expect expect with Kyrie right now. And I'm not saying that based on just the traditional Kyrie Irving uh, slander, but just that he hasn't talked at all. I think the last time we talked publicly was his was his outgoing press conference, uh, after they lost the final game of the season, like he hasn't spoken publicly, uh, at least or like interacted with the media. he's made some statements right uh, since signing with the Nets, but he's been a total ghost, which is kind of crazy because he's been in New York most of the time. I still don't get it. But so, you know, Kyrie should have came out and said he's learned from you know, the mistakes that he's made and stuff like that. He has a plan for how he's going to, you know, make sure that, that that what happens in Boston doesn't happen in Brooklyn. And, you know, what happened in Boston last year was a pretty remarkable um, confluence of events happening simultaneously. So it is kind of hard to replicate how much of a shitstorm that is. Yeah. So Brooklyn is probably in better, you know, in a better shape because of that. And there's a very clear hierarchy with Brooklyn. I don't think... Um, you know, not, there's there's there is no like Boston having that mystical yes. playoff playoff run is really a huge part of what changed everything. Plus the Hayward thing. So you know, Brooklyn, I think their hierarchy is pretty clearly set in stone, and then they're going to go through that next year with KD returning. But I, I don't really think it's going to be an issue, obviously between Kyrie and KD.
0: Okay, that's an interesting point. Now, if you're watching the FIBA games, I did a breakdown on the uh, the Boomers beating the uh, Team USA. Um, and um, they, uh, Kemba Walker, didn't start in that game. Very strange. But when you watch him, he's unstoppable. Like, the guy is amazing. He, again, he, he did start against Canada, in a much weaker team, and they won pretty easily. He didn't play a ton of minutes. Um, but, you know, just to wrap this up, with uh, the notion of Celtic, the Celtics plugging Kemba Walker in there, I mean, this guy looks – here's the thing. I think, you know, we've seen this before where guys, you know, they're working out all summer long with Team USA. They have a good tournament, and they come right in and they hit the ground running in the NBA because they're still in shape and they're still, you know, all tuned in, for whatever. And I feel like Kemba Walker is ready to do that and come in. And, again – and, by the way, he's playing with half the Celtics team already. So <laughs> – That that might actually smooth that hierarchy out as well, because in my mind, there's no question if they let him be the man. He's the guy running everything like that the way he should be, like he's doing with Team USA. Then the Celtics should be able to take a jump and go up.
1: You know, what's funny is so, you know, we were just talking about that Lever contract and he's one of these restricted free agents that's up for an extension. And you got guys like uh, I think Siakam is up. Right. And then Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram. Uh, but, you know, but the, you know, the same draft class guys, uh, Buddy Heald, I think, is as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's re- I'm really interested to see how that LaVert deal is going to impact those guys because Jalen is out there playing. Uh, he's playing leading up into his contract negotiation phase, playing pretty well, at least it's so far, for Team USA. And I'm wondering if that's going to impact negotiations for him because if LaVert's getting 17 and a half – maybe he is gonna come down a little bit on what he's asking for because I think he and Lavert have been pretty comparable so far in their yeah. careers as far as you know output uh, but Brown obviously has been healthier and I think has established himself more on defense um, but you know the expectation has been that Brown's gonna just say give me the max otherwise I'm pretty Confident, I'm going to bet on myself to get close enough to the max in free agency next year. Yeah. So I still can't imagine they're going to get an extension done. But this seems to at least maybe move his market down a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, by the way, and Tatum is a guy who's not you know doing himself any favors right now. I, his play hasn't been impressive at all. Uh, Brown has been better. And um, I'm, I'm curious to see. We can, we'll have to save that one for another discussion because oh, we we'll would probably have to wait until the season anyway to really keep your eye on it. But keep your eye on that because that might ultimately be the key to their success is if, if Tatum isn't going to be what we thought he was going to be and Brown is continuing an upward trajectory, then they're going to have to slot their roles that certain way. And Tatum's going to have to be willing to do that. And if he does, then they'll be good because then he'll be a third or third guy. And that's good versus a second or first guy, which I don't know if he's getting there right now.
1: Yeah, that's it's a pretty big question. I can tell you the one thing that that's noticeable about Tatum mm-hmm. is he is big. He is big as hell. He's uh he's starting to fill out more. Maybe uh, it's the maybe it's the seventy cell hair, but like he's looking like like one of those like super long you know wings, like a Durant esque kind of you know kind of size player. He's not he's not quite as big, but like, he's starting to fill into that kind of form. And I think he's I think he's gonna be better off than what you're saying. But we'll see. Well, who well, knows? Maybe I he'll got suck eye on
0: him and. Uh, And he put him on notice too. The list is growing now, so we'll see. But Jared, anyway, thanks for the uh, the quickie in here. We'll get it off, and um, we'll get it out to everybody. But um, we will talk to you, I guess, next week.
1: You know, I'm always good for a quickie. Uh,
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, sports fans, at Be Ball Breakdown. Not a channel. We're conversation. You in? Are you in, Jared? I'm in
1: Springfield.